This is Pastor Chad. Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We are honored that you have joined us today. You can stay up to date with us at BethesdaChurch.tv or look us up on Facebook or Instagram. Now, let's jump in to today's message. for your giving. Happy Easter once again. Are you glad to be in God's house today? Amen. I am glad to see you guys. Well, happy Easter, and um, we are truly glad that you're here. I believe that God has a word for us, so I'm going to jump right into the word of God today. I want to preach a message entitled The Mercy Tree. The Mercy Tree. Hit somebody close to you and tell them the mercy tree. The mercy tree. It's going to make sense in just a few moments. The irony of the cross, we know that the cross was also two wooden beams made out of a tree. Uh, It became a mercy tree. We understand that. But the irony of the cross is that it is a place of death, but also a place of life. It is a place of brokenness, but it's also a place of blessing. I believe that it is symbolic to us that dead things can come back to life. It's the place where that which looks hopeless now can experience a turnaround. The cross is a message of hope. Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, this is a day that should inspire hope because no matter how low you feel, maybe how low your life may seem right now, how many know God has a way of resurrecting all the dead things in your life. Anybody thankful that the things in your life that are dead can experience a resurrection? And so it's, it's filled, the, the gospel's filled with good news. But I want to kind of transition into this mercy tree topic by mentioning that in the Garden of Eden, in the book of Genesis, the Bible mentions two different trees. One of those trees gets most of our attention. And that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's the tree that God said, if you take the fruit from it, that you will be separated from me, that in that day you shall surely die. But there was another tree called the tree of life. And it doesn't get nearly the attention that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil received. But it was the tree of life where God said, if anyone partakes of that tree, that nothing would be impossible for that person. In the book of Revelation, Jesus is called the tree of life. And so my task today is not to highlight the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or a dead tree, but my task is to highlight the the tree of life um, and, and show us that how God in our worst moments can resurrect dead things. So I want to read to you from Genesis chapter number two, verses 16 and 17. And it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So God sets it up pretty clear boundaries. He said, Don't eat from this tree. Enjoy the garden. Enjoy 99.9% of what I've given you. But do not touch this one tree because in the day that you touch it, you're going to die. Now, we know the story. We've, we've read the entire book. 
We know that Adam and Eve disobeyed God and they took from the one tree God said, do not take from, and sin entered into the world at that point and began running its course. Um, And it doesn't take very long for murder to take place within the first family. Sin has spiraled that far that quickly. And then we read in Genesis chapter number 3, verses 22 through 24, it says, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever, therefore the Lord sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned every way, to guard the way to the tree of life. In other words, they took from the one tree, and God said, you will surely die. Now we know they did not die a physical death. Death actually means separation. At that point, they were separated from God, and God comes and says, I've got, now that they've taken of this tree and they are separated from me, I've got to get them away from the garden. And I've all, a lot of people read that uh, when, when God removed them from the garden and placed the cherubim there to guard the tree of life, they look at that as an act of judgment, but it was actually an act of mercy because God knew that once they were separated from him, had they now taken hold of the tree of life, if if they had done that, then evil would have never been defeated in their lives. They would have been eternally damned at that point. And so God says, in my mercy and protection, I'm going to remove them so that I can once again rejoin them at a later time. Now check this out in in the New Testament. In Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, it says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death, He might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Adam and Eve sinned. They were separated. Death equals separation. The scripture says here that Jesus died And it was through his death that he would give us power over death. But it says he would release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. What is the bondage? The bondage is the fear of death. Every person has somewhat a fear of death. But Jesus came to die to free us from the fear of dying. And so, let's, let's walk this out. Hollywood spends millions of dollars every single year producing movies um, that revolve around the subject of death. I mean, they make everything from uh, scary movies to um, movies about the supernatural, uh, movies about a monster. You know, it's, uh, all this money is spent, uh, but it, it all revolves around 
uh, either a monster or a man or somebody, you know, if it's a man, then, you know, he's kind of psychotic and because he wants to kill people, right? Uh, it doesn't make sense, but it's centered around death, all about death. And if you watch carefully uh, how ungodly people sometimes portray God, you will notice that it, it's um, when, when they portray God and they portray evil, it's always associated with death. There, there's something involving death. And I think that that mindset infiltrates a lot of people where we associate the devil with death. We, we think it, we just assume that the devil created death, that Satan is in proportion to death. And we think if I can get rid of Satan, I can get rid of death. So we connect the two. But here's the problem, and this one's going to leave you scratching your head for just a moment. Satan did not create death. God did. Now, some of you are like, oh, what kind of church am I in? I, let, let me explain this to you. Satan did not create death. God did. Death was present when Adam was made. In fact, after God made Adam... He took him to the tree and introduced him to death. Adam, this tree right here, don't touch because if you do, in that day you shall surely die. Satan hadn't shown up yet. So God introduces Adam to death before Satan enters the picture. Death was present with Adam in the garden uh, death was not created by sin or created by rebellion. Death was created by God, but death was dead. Did you catch that? Death was dead. Death was present, but had no power. And so God brought Adam to the tree and said, death is here, but as long as you obey me, as long as you, you don't touch this, then death will remain dead. But the moment you take of this tree, now you are, you are going to bring death to life. You'll bring death to life. And so when God showed him the tree, he showed him the parameters and the boundaries. How many know that serving God means there are some boundaries and parameters and, 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 and things we shouldn't do or say or places we shouldn't go? It's not to confine us, but it's so that we don't awake something that is dead and, and, and that we can walk in the power of resurrection. Listen, anytime God gives you a boundary, it's not to confine you or keep you locked up somewhere, if God has given you a boundary or a parameter or a limitation, it's because he wants death to remain dead so that you can live the abundant life that Jesus provided in the resurrection. So, so it's, it's not always a bad thing. Death and life, Adam, God was saying, death and life, Adam, it won't be in my hands. It'll be in your hands. That if you obey, you will experience life. But if you disobey, you will experience death. And God, in essence, was saying, I'm giving you my word. I, if you obey my word, then death will remain dead. See, death was present when Adam was in the garden. But God gave Adam complete dominion 
over death. Present, but no power. Present, but no sting to it. Listen, the only way we give death power is through disobedience. I'm preaching real good right now. The only way we give death power is through disobedience. Death is present in everything. It's present in plant life. It's present in animal life. It's present in the stars in the sky. It's present in human beings. Death is always present. And and a great example that I could give to you today is if I would uh, bring a potted plant up here and I grabbed the potted plant by the branches and I just kind of yanked on a little bit to lift it. How many know that a lot of times what happens is, is the plant not only comes up, but the roots come up and the soil comes up, the dirt comes up, everything comes up with it. And, and the reason for that is because that potted plant, it is, it, that plant is trying to hold on for dear life to its source that gives it life, that keeps it alive. And so if I pull the plant up with the roots and the soil and all, and I throw it on the ground, I don't have to burn it. I don't have to stomp on it. I don't have to do anything to that plant. As The moment I take it away or separate it from its source, the soil, I just gave death life. The process of death is activated the moment it is separated from its source. If if I take a fish out of the water, I don't have to pull out a nine millimeter and shoot the fish or stomp the fish. The moment I remove the fish from its source, the water, Death is now activated. When a star falls out of the sky and is separated from the gases that keep keep it alive, it begins the the process of death immediately. And and so you you may say, Pastor, what are you getting to? Here, Here it is. You didn't come from your mommy and your daddy. Sure, they gave you a body, but you came out of the mouth of God. You were chosen in Christ before the foundations of the world. And if you're in Christ, and die physically, that's not a demotion, that is a promotion. You ought to give your God a shout right there that death has no power, death has no sting. About to preach myself happy today. See, when something dies, it always returns to that from which it came from. The plant dies, returns to the earth. The fish dies, returns to the water. We die in Christ. We return to our source, our creator. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 and 8, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When I leave this body, I do not die, but I am promoted to another place back to where I came from in the first place because I was chosen in Christ before the foundations of the world. And when my time is over on the earth, I return back to my daddy in heaven. 
That, that's a good word for some people that have, that have gone through a season of grief because someone you love passed. But let me give you the good news. If they passed and they were in Christ, they returned to their creator, they returned to their Abba Father, and listen, they would, as much as you miss them, they would not want to return to this life because how many know up there we get a new body, no sickness, no walking cane, no tears, no cancer, no divorce, no Come on, somebody. Y'all better help me today. They're not wanting to come back because they've been promoted. They've been promoted, and they are rejoined with their creator. And so when Adam sinned, death was present before the sin, but it had no power. Sin, you may want to write this down, sin is the power of death. Sin is the power of death. It has no power until sin gets a foothold. Death had no power until Adam and Eve disobeyed. When Adam sinned, he gave life to death. The power of death is sin. The the Hebrew word for rebellion is the word sin. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So death is separation. And when Adam sinned, he experienced a death. It wasn't a physical death, but it was a spiritual death because he was now separated from his father. Separated from his creator. And the thing which... He was supposed to have power over, now had power over him. And I read Romans 6, 23 because the truth is um, the wages of sin is death, but Paul also said that all, everybody say all, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, which means every person, every person needs Jesus. Everybody's afraid to die. And the reason people are afraid to die is because they're separated from... Listen, the only time to be afraid is if you don't know God. Because if you know God, again, it's a promotion. I know that we, we cry when people die and we celebrate when, people are, when, when babies are born, but the Scripture says that we should do our happy dance when people die and we should cry when babies are born. You really don't like this church now. Now, I'm not saying we got we to gotta cry over babies being born, but I am saying, like, if we're in Christ and we die, what is there to be afraid of? If it's really a promotion, if, if it really, really is to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord, then why has this become a bondage for so many people? I love what God did because when, when Adam was there, all he told Adam to do, keep my word, Adam, and you don't have to worry about death. As long as you do what I say. If you'll keep my word, death will stay dead. But when Adam sinned and death came to life, God did something I, I think is awesome. What he did is he sent another word. 
For those of you that are new to church, you know the name Jesus, but what you might not know is that Jesus' real name is Word. And so he gave them a word in the beginning. They disobeyed. They were separated. So God says, I'm going to send them another word. And if they'll hear him, if they'll hear Jesus, I'll be rejoined. Anybody thankful that God sent another word in the form of a man named Jesus who lived a sinless life, died in our place, and on the third day got up, and that's why we're here today, is because of the resurrection power of Jesus. He said, if they'll hear him, then we can, we can put death back to death. We, death won't have to be alive any longer if they'll hear Jesus. That's why John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So when the first word is disobeyed, God says, I'm going to send another word. And the thing we have to understand about Jesus is not just the resurrection, which is what Easter is all about, but Jesus tasted death so that we would never have to. Yeah, listen, this physical body may die, but I'm not dead. He tasted death so that you and I wouldn't have to. Death is dead until Adam sinned, but the sin wakes up death, and Jesus came to deal with both death and the thing that gives life to death, which is sin. The power of death is sin, and Jesus tasted death so that he could remove the power of death, which is sin. He came to cleanse us of the thing that gives life death power anybody thankful that your sins have been washed in the blood of Jesus I'm preaching straight gospel to you right now if I accept Jesus into my heart I am simply trusting that he paid the penalty of my sin sin has to be paid for and the only way to pay for sin is through death and Jesus said they're not going to die I'm going to die in their place I'm going to taste that which they are fearful of so that they never have to experience that I'm paying the price for them death is still present but no longer has dominion death can't kill me it can only promote me See, when death hits me in this life, I am promoted to another life because it's lost its power. The wages of sin is death. And as the worship team rejoins me, I want to kind of end here with, with this thought. The bank of sin, and everybody, listen to me, everybody's got a bank of sin. You didn't just mess up one time. You've made a lot of deposits. All the religious folk just got mad. That is the deposit you're making, by the way. It's a tough creditor. The bank of sin is a tough creditor. And it will call your house every single day because it wants to be paid with interest. 
The only thing that will pay sin off is death. The bank of sin, watch this, it will not receive any other payment. The only payment it will receive is death. But you, you, which means I can't buy my way out of it. I cannot perform my way out of it. And so here comes the creditor, death, trying to cause some things in your life. How many? Death, the devil always wants to make things die in your life. And so he comes and he wants things in your life to die. But when Jesus was on the cross, we talk about the death and we talk about the resurrection. But listen, guys, that time in between is as, as special and as important as the death and the resurrection. Because the Bible says in that period, we talk about Jesus ascending. But the Bible says that before Jesus ascended, Jesus descended. And he descended because he had to go deal with the sin bank. And he walked up to the teller and he said, what do they owe? What is it that Chad Dingus owes? What is it that Pastor Karen owes? What is it that Michael Godby owes? What is it that they owe? And the answer was, death is what they owe. And so Jesus, being bad to the bone, said, all right, here's you one, two, three days of death I have paid off the penalty. It's paid in full. Don't call their house. Don't send them any more letters. Get out of their marriage. Get out of their money. Get out of their kids. Get out of their health. Get out of their mind. Come on, church. If you're thankful that the debt has been paid in full, give your God a shout right now. Come on, give your God a praise right now. Woo! Everybody up, everybody up. Oh, I think we ought to take about 10 more seconds and give him praise if you're thankful. Man, I just, come on, you're thankful that your debt has been paid. The price has been paid. Jesus paid it so that you wouldn't have to experience that death. It's why Paul could write in 1 Corinthians 15 these two short verses. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, I just want to ask, are you living for now or are you living for later? This mortal has put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? It can't kill you anymore. You're going to put on a brand new suit when you exit this life. I, I don't have to be afraid of death anymore. It may be present, but it is powerless. It, it doesn't say in the scripture, oh, death, where is your presence? Because death has been present since Adam. It says, oh, death, where is your sting? Come on, church. Death has no more sting or dominion or power in my life. Anybody thankful for that mercy tree? 
the cross that Jesus died on and paid the price for you and I. Woo! I about preached myself happy today. Now, I've been given some instructions of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be very straightforward, and I'm just going to ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes for these next couple of moments because the truth is eternity is for everyone. We all will live somewhere in eternity, either experiencing eternal life or eternal death. But I want to encourage you, you don't have to live in a way that you give death power over you. But you can live in a way that even if you die in this physical life, that you're not dead, you're being promoted. But that only happens by us receiving the gift that God sent in the form of another word by the name of Jesus who paid the price in our place. The scripture says that if we will ask him into our heart and believe that he came and died for us, confessing that we are sinners and invite him into our heart, the scripture says that we will be saved, which means death no longer has a sting in your life. And so if you're in this place while eyes are closed and heads are bowed, and you say, Pastor, I'm not connected to my source. I need to be saved. I, I want to give my life to Christ. Maybe you even knew Christ at some point in your life, but maybe over the last year or so with the pandemic, maybe you've, you've kind of separated from God and you've allowed some things in. Sin brings separation. It brings death. And you say, Pastor, I need to be saved and I need to be forgiven. And this is for those in-house and those watching online. But if you're in-house and I'm speaking to you right now, I don't want you to be fearful of the moment. If you feel the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart, I want you to be bold. And on the count of three, I want you to raise that hand and leave it up high in the air. One, two, three. Raise those hands. If you say, that's me, I need Jesus to save me. I see some, a hand over here. God bless you. Come on, raise it high, raise it high. Y'all have to help me. Back here, yes. One over here, yes. Another one over here. Awesome, awesome, awesome. One over here, awesome. Anyone else say, that's me. Include me in this, Pastor. Anyone else? Anyone else before we pray? Awesome. I'm so excited about this moment. It's real simple. I want everybody to pray together. We're not going to make you pray alone today. We want to pray with you. Every voice lifted. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you, Jesus, to save me, to forgive me, to come into my heart, be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give those people a big God bless you right now. Oh, you can do better than that. Come on, give, give them a round of applause. So good. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bethesda Church Podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting BethesdaChurch.tv give. We will catch you on the next episode.